Thanks for listening to The River's Podcast. For more information on this teaching, visit our website at theriver.info. Hey, everybody. Welcome. I want to say good morning or good afternoon or good evening or whatever time it is where you find yourself watching or listening to this. Uh, it's certainly strange for me, so I just want to address that right away. If I come across as creepy or weird, it's because I feel both creepy and weird. There's just something different about being in this room without all of you in here that makes it just, uh, yeah, it's off for sure. Uh, so, yeah, hello, hi. Uh, one thing that I did want to invite you into doing is engaging uh, with the message the same way that Rob has uh, asked for it. If you're watching this either on uh, Facebook or uh, YouTube channel and you want to engage in the comments, that's super helpful for us. Let's us know uh, how you're engaging with the teaching time. If you're listening on podcast, uh, you can certainly send us an email uh, or a text message, and that would be wonderful. So why don't we start? I have a prayer from the lectionary uh, that I wanted to just start in a time of prayer. So let's do that. Lord, open our hearts to your power moving around us and between us and within us until your glory is revealed in our love of both friend and enemy in communities transformed by justice and compassion and in the healing of all that is broken. Amen. So, we're at a weird time, uh, and there's just a, a lot of transition, a lot of flux, and a lot of things that a lot of us aren't used to. Uh, and so with the COVID-19 and the fear of uh, infection and the fear of our future and stay-at-home order and people working from home and some people can't work at all and the everything that's happening in the global economy and the national economy and the local economy and our personal uh, economical uh, places. And there's just so much uncertainty and it's really something that we haven't faced before. Uh, and uh, in the midst of all of that, we're also experiencing a theological concept uh, that I think is worth addressing. Uh, and so in the Western church, somehow, uh, because we have access to a lot of fantastic teaching and a lot of fantastic worship, we have somehow uh, taken those to be really what church is about. And I'm not saying that it's not. They certainly are a means of grace. Uh, and, but somehow, uh, what we have downplayed is the fellowship of each other, the fellowship of the gathering, that there's a grace that's received when we gather that's not available anywhere else. Just simply being in the same room with each other ministers to our hearts and gives us a special blessing. And what we're experiencing right now is what sisters and brothers around the world are experiencing regularly. Uh, there are missionaries who will not see another believer all year. They're going to be on their own. And so they're, they're feeling the same uh, sting that we are. We're just so used to having an abundance of that grace available that when we're in this time separated from it, our hearts are longing for it. And I'm here to tell you, that grace is not available anywhere else. Our hearts will long for that and will feel the, that missing 
and until we can come together again. And what a great day that will be. And so it's okay to feel different. It's okay to be off. It's okay to long to, to gather together again. So these uh, video teachings and uh, video worship and, and all of that, it's sustaining us, and it certainly is a means of grace. Uh, but there is a grace that we're missing out on uh, that I'm sure you're feeling. I know I certainly am, and I'm longing for the day when we can enjoy that once again. So I have a question to kind of frame up our time. Uh, and it, it comes around a uh, plan of improvement. And so I wonder how many times have you embarked on a plan of improvement? Maybe it's like a fitness routine. Uh, I use the Athlean X training plan and I just I love his programming and it's it's super good. It's, it's brought me a lot of breakthroughs in my physical uh, fitness and and training regimen, uh, nutrition uh, improvement plan. You know, these are really common around the first of the year, oftentimes when, when we're making resolutions and we, we want to get better at something. We realize that there's a lack, an area that we're lacking. And Henry Cloud said, when you lack the internal discipline to get something done, add external structure. And so a lot of us come at these plans as a way to, to get after a weakness that we have. Maybe it's a financial plan. Financial planning is super important, right? Certainly, it's something that uh, we use when we, when we make a mess out of our finances uh, or if we haven't yet to keep from making a mess out of it. A uh, good budget is a, a way of planning to improve our financial health. Uh, certainly, at work, we do uh, plans. They're called performance reviews, and uh, we uh, have a, an improvement way to get better, uh, not only to celebrate what is strong, but to strengthen what is weak and to round ourselves out better. We're all continually on this uh, journey of improvement. It's really wired into us in, in a lot of areas of our life. And definitely spirituality is one way that we all uh, practice uh, plans of improvement from Bible study uh, to uh, uh, different styles of prayer to certainly the discipline of the month of practicing spiritual practices uh, as a way of improving our intimacy with God, as a way of improving our posturing and positioning, uh, certainly a, a way of uh, increasing our spiritual strength. So we can all agree a, a improvement is good, Right? Uh, and I would say, especially when we get to choose uh, what area it is we're going to improve on. Um, and we know, if you've been around here for any length of time, if you have a pulse, you have issues, right? And we know that some people get tired of hearing that, but one of the reasons we continually beat that drum of if you have a pulse, you have issues, if you have a pulse, you have issues, is because the first step in overcoming your issues of improving on your issues, is admitting that you have one. And so admitting that there is an issue is, is really the first part of the process of, of working through it. The first piece in the plan of improvement is identifying that something is there. And so by setting the atmosphere in this place of if you have a pulse, you have issues, we just address that everybody has them. So when they pop up in our lives, we don't need to spend as much time in denial and fear because we're just like everybody else and we have issues. And so I can tell you in my time here, there has been two times that I'm keenly aware of 
where my issues were getting the better of me. And it's a time when I probably normally would have rationalized it or denied it or really resisted pressing into it. But I was able to just say, yeah, I mean, I've got a pulse, so I've got issues. Here's one of them. And it, it was able to move into that uh, much more easily and more freely than I have in the past. Because what we know is that if you have a pulse, you have issues. But more importantly, if you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And so it's through working through our issues that we get to live more freely and more fully into that purpose. And so that's really the good news is that second half. Uh, and so it's by addressing our issues and growing through them that we live into the fullness of what our purpose is. And so, like I said, let's be honest about the issues, about the plans of improvement. It's always more preferable to pick and choose our pressing issues privately. <laughs> uh, it's best when our issues are socially acceptable and not too crippling, right? Like it's best to have uh, an awareness of our issues that aren't too far, you know, outside of the realm. And we live in a weird culture where we're kind of baited to the edge and, and up to the edge is okay, but one step over the edge is not okay. And uh, But that's really where we would prefer to live with our issues is, yeah, they're moderate issues. They're not really crippling. I'm able to live and enjoy life as most other people do versus where it's, you know, debilitating and uh, bankrupting our family. Those kind of issues we would rather stay away from. Uh, and so in that same piece of not too bad of issues and being able to uh, address them uh, privately on our own, it's equally good, uh, even though it doesn't feel like it, when they are pointed out to us. And so I'm reminded of a time in 2013, I had a performance review at the last church that I was at, and I had some areas that I needed to grow in. Uh, and I did not like to hear that. Uh, and I naturally, like, I, like, started to shoot the messenger at first, uh, but then I realized, like, oh, no, 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 like, this is true. And as uncomfortable as it is, there, there is an issue here. There's an area that I can improve on. I can get better here. I can do one of two things. I can deny that it's there and stay stuck, or I can agree with it and work through it and get better. Uh, and so it didn't feel good to have that pointed out, but it was good. And ultimately, it, I got a lot better from that person's willingness to address weak areas in my life. And I, I came to respect her for it and really appreciate the way that God spoke to me through her uh, in widening the, the range of view of what I could see of myself and becoming more self-aware. So it's probably not a surprise then to most of us uh, when I say that God has an imp improvement plan for us too. Uh, and... God's improvement plan for our lives has a fancy theological term, and it's called sanctification. And sanctification uh, is simply a joint effort between the believer and the Holy Spirit, whereby the believer is made more whole and more holy. Uh, some people will say uh, uh, made more into the image of Christ or more Christ-likeness is, is created in the believer. 
and so there's two ditches in that idea of sanctification that the church often drifts to. And one side is that it's all God's work. And so it's kind of a hands-off approach. Anything the Lord wants to change in my life, anything the Lord wants to improve, He'll just do it automatically. And I'm an inactive uh, participant, and the transformation will happen, and I don't have any responsibility in it. And that's one ditch. And then the other ditch is, well, it's all up to me, and I get to pick and choose the things that I want to change, that I want to improve, that I want to grow in, the things that I want to work on, and I'll use uh, self-will and determination and might, and I'll transform those things within myself. Uh, And so what we know is willpower is insufficient to bring about transformation. It can produce change momentarily, but it will not bring about transformation. Our hearts are transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit. Our hearts are transformed by the Lord alone. The cool part about sanctification is that It's a joint partnership whereby the Lord illuminates things and provides a way and then we get to work on them and kind of like together this piece of becoming more and more. And so on the the one ditch, uh, one side that that gets uh, that that we fall into with this on the, the God is the only one that does it ditch is this idea that. The Lord is in the demolition and rebuilding business. Uh, And so if you have driven past a McDonald's that was open one day and closed the next, uh, this is the idea that they use, that it's cheaper oftentimes to completely destroy a commercial building and just rebuild it than it is to piece by piece tear it apart and and, uh, remodel it from the ground up. And so it's much more time-consuming that way. And so what McDonald's has found, by and large, is they'll do an estimate and say, oh, yeah, yeah, we're just going to level that. We'll build a new one, and then, bam, it's back up and running. Thing looks great. And so we get in this idea that the Lord is like that, too. And so he brings this smackdown and this crisis and just demolishes an area of our life as a way of inviting us into a process of change. And I hear it all the time. Uh, And so... I want to just remind us that most often we're punished by our sin and not for our sin. It doesn't free us from the consequences of the choices that we make. So when we find ourselves in an area of demolition, I would say more likely than the Lord demolishing is that our choices have just led us into that. And so our poor choices have created this demolition uh, blast in our lives Uh, and uh, we're like, oh, yeah, well, God did that. Maybe. I would say more that Jesus is in the deconstruction and reconstruction business, that it's bit by bit by bit that he works on things with us. I don't believe that the Lord just completely uh, demolishes us and bulldozes us, but instead systematically goes about removing things in an order known only to him in a way of creating health, and wholeness and more fullness of life in us. Uh, It's kind of like Michelangelo's David. He's recorded as when somebody asked him, how did he make the, how did he make that out of the slab of marble? Uh, And he replied, it was simple. I just chipped away all the pieces that weren't David. And I love that image of that's what the Lord is doing through the sanctifying work is that he's removing the pieces of us that aren't Christ-like, that aren't our true 
identity to begin with. And so bit by bit, so instead of demolishing us and building us from the ground up, is systematically just kind of flaking and peeling off the things that aren't so that our true identity of how we are already fully formed in Christ is more aware to us and we're more awake to that. And so the awakening of who we were truly created to be, the image of God, that peace. And so the cool part about the sanctification work, this improvement plan, uh, if you may, that God uses, <laughs> is commonly referred to as the all things plan. And that's the anchor text that I want to use for our time. Uh, and it comes from Romans in the 8th chapter in the 28th verse. And it says this, We know, we know, we don't think, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. And so what it's telling us is that God uses this all things plan. He works, we know he works through all things for our good. That he's able to work through no matter what the circumstance is for our good. That's the plan of improvement that he uses. So this means that it, it doesn't really matter if it's a broken shoelace or a pandemic, a car accident or a bankruptcy, the mountaintop wonderful thing that's happening, or the valley very painful kind of an experience, the good and the bad that God uses this all things way of creating a deeper sense of who we truly are, of, of peeling off the things that we aren't, that we've been holding on to, to more reveal the image of Christ that's already in us, that's already true of us. And so this is good news and it's bad news. Uh, this, this is the basis of a thought that has, been that has echoed for centuries through our faith. Uh, and that's that God works in all things especially difficult. Uh, C.S. Lewis said it this way, that God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, uh, but he shouts in our pains. And that it's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And so the fact of the matter is that God works in us through difficult circumstances. God is always working in all things for our good, even through difficult circumstances. And we're people. We have a tendency to like comfort. I mean, that's a totally natural response. I, it's masochistic, masochistic to like pain. It's, a, it's a, an abnormality for sure. I mean, nobody is like, man, it's cold outside. Let me leave my coat. No, you put on a coat because we like comfort, right? And so it's perfectly natural. The problem is we use that same kind of logic for getting through difficult situations. And what it causes us to do is to short cycle where we are with only the hope of the future. And so what we do is, is instead of embracing our current reality, in the fullness, we just keep reminding ourselves of what it's going to be like when we get through it. And friends, I want to tell you what's going on right now. We will get through it. We're going to get through it. This is temporary. It will not last. But don't mistake what I'm saying from that, that there is something that's happening 
more important than what's going to happen when we get through is that God is working something in this, in it, right now. Romans just told us that. In all things, our current reality, God is at work. We have a tendency to want to avoid the pain, to want to avoid the difficulty, and that's totally natural. But what we should be doing as Christians is we should be spurring each other on to instead saying, no, 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 no. Where is God at work now? Where's he at in the pain? Where's he at in the discomfort? Where's he at in the fear? What is he doing in my life and in my heart through this right now? We need to remind ourselves that God is very concerned with the internal condition of our hearts and that he will use external circumstances not to create the condition, but just to reveal it. So situations like we're currently experiencing do more of an exposing work of our hearts and what needs to happen than creating it. So the fear and the doubt and the worry, that was already there. The situation around us has highlighted that. The situation around us has just showed us that that is there. And so essentially what I'm proposing is that the situation is revealing our, the, our own issues and the conditions of our hearts. But that God is work, at work all around it. And it's all for our good. That we can capitalize on all of the pain, on all of the struggle, on all of the fear we can, we can capitalize on that, identifying the weakness and the issues that we're experiencing for greater freedom and for greater healing and for greater wholeness and for greater holiness. And the coolest part about it is that we get to partner with the Lord in what he wants to do in us, that he trusts us to partner with him in that work, that he wants to do soul surgery in us, that he wants to give us a heart transplant, that he wants to put a new song in our mouths, that he wants to transform us from one degree of glory to another so much that he's willing to partner with us in that, that he's willing to engage us in that. And what a cool responsibility and what a cool privilege at the same time. And so the condition of our hearts is revealed. God is at work all around us, and we partner with him in that to bring greater freedom and healing and wholeness. Uh, Henry Blackaby, a Canadian author and pastor, uh, wrote a book, uh, Experiencing God. And it has this idea of instead of thinking to yourself, man, what would the Lord like me to do? Uh, man, what should I do? How, uh, what's a problem in the world that I need to get after? Or what is it that I want to do with my life? Or how can I be of service here? Instead, what he said was, no, no, no. Identify where God is already at work and partner with him there. Instead of taking a shovel and a pick and, and mining and digging for things, instead, just identify where the Lord is already at work and partner with him there. And that's the cool part about this. God is at work. He's up to something. That's very clear. Our current reality, the condition of our hearts, the fact that we're feeling the way that we're feeling and what we're experiencing right now is evidence that the Lord is up to something. He's on the move. And what we need to be doing is identifying where is that that he's at work and partnering with him there in the work that he's doing in our hearts. And it may be he's whispering in joy right now, but it may be that he's shouting in pain. And our role 
told us to be like Samuel and instead say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I hear where you're, where you're identifying. I feel this. And, and, and instead of balking away at it, meeting the Lord in those uncomfortable places so that the work can be perfected. And I don't mean done flawlessly. I mean done to completion. That there's a perfecting work that the Lord wants to do in using the all things plan that we're currently experiencing for our own good. He is up to something right now that is for your good, for your wholeness, and for your healing. Chuck DeGroat gave a talk one time about the flow of spiritual formation. And in this, he used like, there's three phases to the Christian journey, to spiritual formation. And the first phase is orientation. This is like the foundations of the faith. This is where we start to learn the principles. This is where we, we get our, uh, our foundation. Uh, you know, we know that God loves us. We know that he's for us. He's not against us. He's not mad at us. He's not angry with us. He, he wants to initiate a relationship with us. We learn prayer. We learn the benefit of worship. We learn uh, the, the fellowship of the brethren. We learn, uh, you know, the foundations of faith. That's the orientation phase. And then the next phase in spiritual formation and spiritual development, as echoed through the history of the church, is more of a disorientation. And this is kind of the furnace of transformation. This is the wilderness experience that the Israelites experienced between Egypt and Canaan. It's a disorienting time. It's a confusing time. It's what the Desert Fathers called the, the dark night of the soul. It's when there's a time of confusion and chaos and things just aren't adding up and it doesn't seem right. Well, all of what we had over here established this foundation and now we start asking questions of it and we're not sure if it works like we thought it worked. And it's, man, does it, does it actually work in situations with COVID-19 and does it work when my finances are amok and I'm not sure how these bills are going to get paid and we really get a chance to because of circumstances put some wheels on our faith and see does it really go down the road like we thought it did uh, in times that were good and, and in this furnace of transformation is a fire the refiner's fire that the bible talks about uh, in perfecting metals uh, burns the impurities off and so it's through this this burning process that the impurities are burnt off making the product more pure making the product better very uncomfortable and nobody chooses to go into the furnace of transformation but it's through that process that we pass into the third phase of spiritual formation which is reorientation which is typified by flourishing in mission and this is what we know this is the wounded healer concept apart from this we stay wounded wounders but it's through the transformation it's through the addressing our issues it's through the working through that stuff allowing the lord to do the work that he wants to do in our hearts and our lives through that stuff that then we experience the healing and the wholeness and the freedom and the transformation that then we're able to bear fruit that lasts on mission. And most people, myself included, I would rather go from orientation to reorientation. Uh, Terry Wardle calls it the million-dollar wager. He says that there are situations in life uh, that every one of us will get into. Uh, and... Uh, what the million dollar wager is, is you could not pay me a million dollars 
to go through that again. It was too painful. It was too difficult. It was shook me to my core. It was everything about it. I would not go through that again for a million dollars. And at the same time, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to take from me what I gained in the process of going through that. And so, friends, I want to just propose that maybe we're in the million-dollar wager right now. Maybe this is a million-dollar wager for us. And instead of just gritting our teeth and waiting to get past, maybe the Lord is at work in this all things to do something inside of us individually and as a, as a community of faith and as the big C, capital C church in our region to radically reorient us so that we bear much more fruit when we come back together again. But the problem is we won't if we don't partner with him with the work that he wants to do in our lives now. And if all we're doing is resisting that, it's just going to pass. And so I know that you want to bear fruit, fruit that lasts. I believe that that's one of the longings of our heart. Uh, and so let's not met, let this opportunity pass, right? Let's strike while the iron's hot. Let's capitalize on it uh, because here we are. I'm reminded of a statement that my dad once told me, and it upset me for a while after he said it, so I believe it to be true. And he said, he said, God loves you so much, he won't let you keep a failing grade. He said, you'll keep retaking the test until you've learned what it is that he wants you to learn. And so I'm not saying that we're going to have another stay at home or that if we are under quarantine again, that that's because we didn't learn. Uh, but I am saying uh, that capitalizing on the all things plan of what's happening right now, if the Lord will do in our hearts what it is that he wants to do, if we'll partner with him and, and we'll see to completion the work that he's trying to do in each one of us individually now, when we go through that next time, we will not have to learn the same lesson. We will not experience the same testing and the same pains that we're experiencing now. It'll be different, and it's always going to be different. But that's the good news, is that we have an opportunity to grow and to improve from where we're at. Now, I realize that it's a, a radical idea, uh, but this is really foundational in the Christian faith, that we would see opportunities for growth and for development, because we know this, in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Have a good day. Thanks for listening. For more information, check us out online at theriver.info.